So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 10 is where I want you to turn. And as we get into this next section, Matthew chapter 10, kind of where we were in in 9 and 10, there's a a gravity to to Matthew chapter 10. And it, it seems to grow. As you, as you make your way through these verses. And so Jesus is, is calling the apostles as it begins, and he's, he's going to send them out. And I, this is not unlike that moment where you are in a car uh, and one person is driving and then one person is the passenger. And then th- th- that experience, right, whether you're driving or the passenger, there's, there's more than just the, your position in the car, but it's the experience that you have in the car when the passenger all of a sudden becomes the driver, right? There's something new that happens. We've been launching a lot of 16-year-old drivers out of my home over the last few years. And uh, it's amazing to me when I'm like, hey, can you go to the grocery store and uh, go to Target and be back a little bit? And they're like, well, where's Target? Like, well, I mean, we've gone there our whole lives. Like you have, you've been in the car, you've been in the store. Like we've made this trip. I can't tell you how many times we've made this trip. And like now it's like, but I'm, but when it's you, like you're in the driver's seat, right? Things change. And now it's like, okay, it's on me. And what's happening with the disciples is not unlike this. They've been around Jesus. They've been seeing him do incredible things. Like you're, you're watching him teach in incredible ways. You're watching him navigate really controversial moments with other religious leaders. You're watching him in awe of him and the miracles and the ministry that's happening. And then Jesus pulls them together. And then he just says, I'm sending you out. I want you to do this too. I'm sending you into villages. I'm sending you into towns. And I want you to continue this very thing that you've seen me do. Now it's, now it's you. Now, now I want you to go. And I love what you begin to realize. Jay did a a great job last week of highlighting these missional instructions. And I would call them kind of travel instructions. Jesus is telling them certain things about where they're going to go and how they're going to go. And he says, I'm going to send you out and I want you to minister. And and as you go, I, I want you to keep doing the things that you've been seeing. I want you to heal people. I want you to preach. I want you to cleanse. I want you to raise the dead. He tells them how I want you to go. And he pretty much says, I want you to go simply. I want you to go simply, not with a lot of stuff. I'm not sending you with a lot of things. Verse nine of Matthew chapter 10, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, no extra clothes. I'm always jealous of that guy on the airplane when I've made the trip and I'm gonna be somewhere for a week or two and I know how many bags I've checked and I'm headed towards baggage claim and just the amount of gear that I'm gonna be carrying out and I look over at that guy that was sitting next to me and he's got a backpack on and he bypasses baggage claim and he goes right out the door and I'm like, ah, I wanna be that guy. Like that guy travels light, that guy's just here, he's kind of depending on something more than his things, I guess, which I seem to have a lot of. And Jesus says this, don't take a lot and don't take on a lot. Don't take a lot and don't take on a lot. You receive, you you kind of receive freely, now give freely, right? There's this moment, like Jesus is not making it about the things, Right? It's fine to have your, your needs met as a minister. It's fine. But Jesus is saying, like, don't turn this into some kind of commercial endeavor. Nobody's here, nobody's here intended to get rich. Right? You don't need your money belt. Right? This isn't how this is going to exchange. You're not going to be taking a lot of money with you, and you're not going to be receiving a lot of money. And if Christians are to be anything in this liberal world, it's like, be liberal here. Give. 
freely. Give generously. Be generous with the gospel. You received it freely, now give it freely. This is what Jesus is saying. And then he says, find people of peace. In other words, go to those that are receptive. Go to those that are interested, that God is working in. Find them, stay with them. There is a, um, a peace, a shalom that God's people bring with them. You bring a wholeness that the gospel creates because your life has been reconciled to God and restored. And so now when you go, there are places where when they receive you, they'll receive the gospel, they will receive peace and shalom and that peace will rest on them. It'll be a beautiful thing. And when you face rejection, he says, when you aren't received, he says, shake the dust. Shake the dust. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a way of kind of referencing this moment when a devout Jew would leave a Gentile city or kind of a, a pagan area. It was a moment where they would leave that area. They would kind of enter it back into Israel. They would kind of leave the borders and they would shake the dust off their sandals and their cloak. And it was a symbolic gesture of saying that their lives were unto God in this clean, reverent, holy way. And so they were kind of showing this distance of like, I'm, 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 I'm not contaminated, right? I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life wholly devoted to God. I'm kind of leaving this behind and I'm, I'm seeking him. And Jesus goes on to say that truly I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town that was unreceptive. Now, this is an incredibly strong statement Jesus is making. Realize that Jesus is sending the apostles to towns and villages in Israel. And he's telling the disciples, if they don't receive you, they are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, how is that? Why is that? And it's this idea, the guilt of resisting God is greater the more clearly his will is known the guilt, the weight, the burden of resisting God is greater the more clearly his will is known. See, Sodom and Gomorrah never had anybody come preach the gospel to them. They didn't know about Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, when you go and you bring this message, it is a, it's a message of peace and hope and life, but with it comes a weight now that people are responsible to do something with what they've heard. Right? Like, you, did, you do this to yourselves every Sunday. You show up here and you listen to God's word. And then you leave with a greater responsibility to, okay, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to live your life now because of what you've heard? Like this is what you begin to say. This is what Jesus is forming. And so if last week was the travel instructions, then let's call this week the, the trouble instructions. Look with me in verse 16. Behold, Jesus says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
brother will deliver brother over to death and the father is child and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the son of man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than the sparrows. We're going to look at the rest of chapter 10 next week. But this section right here is a section that talks about the world. And if, if the world is the place of mission, if the world is the, 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 the habitat of the Christian, it is also a place of trouble, right? And so let's see, I want to look at this a little bit more closely. How does Jesus prepare the disciples for this kind of trouble? And so he, he highlights cautions. There's certainly things to be cautionary about that Jesus is saying, but there's also some blessings in here. And I want to highlight those as well. So let's look at the first caution. The first caution is you're going out like sheep in the midst of wolves, like sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus, at the end of Matthew chapter nine, looks at the crowd and his heart goes out to them. He has compassion for them because he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he sees the masses as vulnerable, struggling, in distress. And then he turns to the disciples and says, now you also are going to be like sheep going out. In other words, you're gonna be vulnerable. This is the dynamic. You're gonna be vulnerable now. Others are gonna be predators this, this sheep and, and wolf kind of imagery, it's to help us know that this isn't going to be a typical revolution. Like you're not going out as others. You're going out as peace bringers, not combatants, servants, healers, right? We, we aren't conquering in the same way as if this were a crusade. We lose battles, but we win wars. And maybe this is what highlights best that sheep surrounded by wolves means that our existence in this world will be a miracle. You'll be completely dependent upon your shepherd. Like you will know him, you will be close to him, and it will be his word and his guidance and his presence in your life that will allow you to remain and continue. And Jesus says, as I send you out as sheep among wolves, though, he says, be, be wise as serpents, though, innocent as doves, in other words, if you're going to be vulnerable, kind of as a sheep would be, don't be stupidly vulnerable. Kind of know your area, know your surroundings. Don't overestimate the people around you and their responses and their receptivity. Be strategic, be smart. But as you go, right, realize who you are and let your, let your peace, that dove quality, come out of you, not, not aggression, 
Because Jesus is helping them go, knowing that they're going into a difficult space. They're, right, they're sheep. They're wise as serpents. They're doves in a, in, a, in a world of wolves and predators. That's the first caution. Second caution is this, Jesus, beware of men. He says, when they deliver you over. In other words, you will be delivered over. It's not an if. There's going to be moments where you will be delivered over and they will take you and arrest you and they will bring you before governors and kings, but they will bring you there on account so that you can give testimony to who I am. Now, this is what's fascinating. This is what the scriptures hold out for us over and over again. It's this dynamic that bad, kind of bad situations often produce good outcomes. This is what Jesus is saying, right? Arrests, beatings, imprisonments, somehow are going to lead to the mission going forward. Don't, don't just think that those things are just oppositional only with, with no good fruit, with no good outcome. Jesus is saying these things are going to happen so that you can bear witness to the right people at the right time. Beware of them, Jesus says. Thirdly, he talks about how brother will betray brother. Matthew 10 21, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Right again, this is the hard reality that Jesus is, is expressing that you would go out as someone who has been charged to love your neighbor and that your neighbor in response to that love, in response to that help is actually going to resist and why? Why is that going to happen? And Jesus says, because of my namesake, because of me, because of my name. You want to know where the resistance is? It's who Jesus is and what he represents that's the true issue. Why is that the true issue? Why is it who Jesus is and what he represents is the issue? Because his claims are too big. His claims are too big. Other religions will show you that there are things that you can do to heighten your spirituality, to grow closer to God, to kind of reach other levels of enlightenment. And if you'll do these things or go to these places, like your life can rise and become more than it is. The gospel says you have no hope. The gospel says you can do nothing. That there is nothing in, in you. There is no energy in you. There is no, there's no life within you that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And you actually need someone to come to you to help you. Something from the outside to do the work inside of you. This is what happens. Jesus' message then is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Because it says that there is nothing in you that is good. There's nothing that you can do that are going to tip the scales of God's favor towards you because of what you've done or what you've achieved or what you've given up. Nothing. You need a substitute. You need somebody to go into the presence of a holy God on your behalf to represent you, to do what you cannot do, right? That's the gospel message. Matt Chandler wrote a book called The Explicit Gospel. And he says that the gospel will either soften you or harden you. It will either, like the sun, it'll either melt wax or it will make brittle and crack. Those are the only two things that can happen from the weight and the power of the gospel. It's why. It's why we see in the book of Revelation this rebuke on the church for being lukewarm. John said, I'd, I'd rather you be, I'd rather be hot or cold. 
Like lukewarm doesn't make any sense. Like you, you have to be hot or you have to be cold in response to the gospel. Meaning you will hear the gospel and you will reject it and you will go home and you will steal all of your neighbor's stuff or you will hear the gospel and receive it and have your life transformed by the love and grace of a savior, Jesus Christ. Those are the only two options. That's what you should do, <laughs> right? Tell your neighbor, beware. You're leaving in just a little bit. Like if you, if you don't accept the message, right, then what are you doing? The weight of Jesus' claims are so strong, are so great, they force us. They either harden or they soften. They either melt or they make brittle. And this is what we're going to see. And Jesus says, don't be surprised at the offensiveness of this message, but let the offense be on Jesus. Let the offensiveness of this be the gospel, not you. Don't be a jerk. Right? You're still going as healers, as servants, as good newsers. You know, you're, you're, this is our posture. This is how we go. We carry something powerful. The message is, this is why, I, you know, why we have landed in this place of kind of like teaching through books of the Bible, like the expositional nature of them. Because they, they cause us to say hard things. But we can say at times, well, Jesus said that, wasn't me. Like, he's the one who said that. Jesus, don't bring unnecessary persecution to your life. Like, out of all that, right, the offensiveness, the going, don't bring unnecessary persecution. Verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. I love that Jesus says, don't endure more than you have to. He's not asking you to stay in a situation of difficulty or persecution so that you could somehow be more spiritual or show yourself more mature. That's not what he's saying. You're going, to, you're going to experience pushback. You're going to experience resistance. When you do, do your best, but then go. Your message is so valuable. Keep talking. Keep sharing. Go to the next place. Stay useful. Tell others. So that's a lot of bad news. If you're motivating the group to go out on mission and to begin to do this, like that's a lot of bad news. And I would just, if I could just like, why did Jesus say all of that? And how do we take some idea, some principle to bear from these cautions? Maybe it's this, that significance and success in the Christian faith are not the same. That significance and success are not the same. The indicators of success that your church is large or that God has blessed you financially or that you are healthy are not really the marks that Jesus is highlighting as the missional marks of success. In fact, it's, it's worth it to say if my life isn't creating some resistance, if there's not some pushback in my life, if there's not some difficulty, if there's not some obstacle to sharing the gospel or some moment where faith is being challenged and pushed on, then maybe I'm not really walking out faith. Jesus says the world's gonna hate you. At some point, you're gonna be in a bad place with other people because of what you believe about Jesus, because what Jesus said about himself because what you now know is true and because of what you want them to know. But the gospel forces us to kind of wrestle with who really is the Lord of our lives. Is it Jesus? Is it some other God or is it ourselves? So don't 
be mistaken here. Hear what Jesus is saying. Hear the cautions. Jesus is a realist when he says, this is what you're going to experience in the world. But there's also some blessings in here. Let me show you a few. One of the blessings that Jesus highlights is the privilege of being sent by Jesus. That your life could be sent. Jesus says, he stopped. This is the only place where he says, look or behold. He says, look, I am sending you. What would it look like for your life to be sent by Jesus? For you to know that. That all of this vulnerability that we walk in is his plan. That none of the difficulties that you experience are mistakes. That Jesus is telling us, do you know that you have been sent? Has that happened in your life? It reminded me of this really, really good conversation that a friend of mine was having with one of the, our mission partner leaders. So there's a, a, a couple that I'm close to. Uh, they're getting involved in one of our local mission partners. Uh, the wife of the couple was all in, already kind of serving, already involved. And the leader of the missions organization said to the husband, he says, well, what about you? What are you going to do? What do you, how do you want to get involved? And he's like, he was like, he, he said, well, I just don't know. Like, I don't know how, if I would connect, like, I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. Like the kind of work and the kind of the people and situations you deal with are like really broken, really hard. Like the people that you minister to have gone through a lot. And I'll just be honest, I haven't. My life has been honestly pretty privileged. I grew up, my parents were well off. I was in private school my whole life, got scholarships to college. I'm now kind of through school, a very successful vocationally. Like I just, I don't know if I could relate. I just haven't suffered really. And the mission leader turned to the husband and he says, oh, you suffered because you've never shared your faith with somebody else and let them see the light come on and see a heart transformed. You've suffered because you've never let your life be real usable to the kingdom. You've never seen God's grace work through you in a way that changed somebody else's life and changed their eternity. You've suffered. I thought, man, what's happening here? That there's a there is this kind of suffering in life, in a life unused, in a life unavailable to the gospel. And you don't, you don't know the privilege of being sent, right? And it's, that's a kind of suffering. And so my question comes back, and like, do you know that you're sent? Do you know that Jesus is saying, I am sending you, and the privilege of what that is to be actually used by Jesus for him to see you, commission you, direct you, guide you in your life. Listen to the second blessing. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Listen to this blessing. The father is gonna give you words to say. He's gonna be that near He's going to be that close, that intimate in your life. There will be that kind of leading that the presence of God will be with you when you go and witness. I need this. You need this. Here's why. We often talk about the closeness of God, an encounter with God, kind of feeling the presence of God. And we'll put that within this hope of like, well, 
It's within when, when we worship, right? This kind of moment of lyrics and songs and I feel close and God's here and the presence of God is near. Like, well, we're not unaccustomed to like how worship is this hopeful place and this hopeful environment that we're gonna connect our hearts with God. Not only that, but then you'll hear something like this. Well, you just need to walk and exercise in a certain spiritual gift. That if you just had a special kind of anointing, a special gifting of the spirit, then this closeness and intimacy with God would be experienced. And although all those things are wonderful. What Jesus says here, if you want God to speak through you, witness. You want to know the nearness and intimacy and closeness and proximity of God in your life? Then tell somebody about Jesus. And God will begin to speak through you and his Holy Spirit will begin to use you in a powerful and intimate way. In other words, when you are in trouble, when a Christian witness is needed, relax. Relax. God will help you. God will lead you. When things are critical, God's Spirit will speak through you just what needs to be said as you point people to Christ. This truth about the Holy Spirit using you, speaking through you, is mentioned in all four Gospels. Every Gospel writer is down on this idea that when you begin to talk about Jesus and witness, the Holy Spirit will speak through you and use you. What nearness to God, what usefulness to the Spirit at those points. Blessing three, a future vindication a future vindication. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. What Jesus is saying is don't stop talking, right? And don't avoid hard subjects. Don't get anxious about confrontation. That time will reveal the truthfulness and integrity of the gospel. Be faithful to the gospel message. Be faithful to the proclamation of who Jesus was as our Lord and Savior. And in time, the truthfulness of that will be established. Don't be afraid of people. Tell them everything I've told you, Jesus says. Four, a life sent is a life liberated. A life sent is a life liberated. Verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's what you begin to see. The one who fears the father is liberated from all their fears. The one who fears the father, who's in all the father, who connects our heart to the Father, who allows the Father to be the weightiest and most you know, glorious thing in our lives, all other fears begin to find their appropriate place. St. Augustine said this, let us fear, therefore, that we may not fear. Fear God or fear everything else. This is what Jesus is saying. What's the worst they can do to you? Kill you. That's it. That's all they can do. That can just cut your physical earthly life a little shorter. But boy, your eternal life is safe and secure. We all die, right? That's what he's saying. Like we're all gonna die. So what's the worst that can happen to you if you get out and start telling people about Jesus? It just doesn't compare to a soul that has been established and secured by the hand of God. 
this idea of kind of just being anxious about sharing reminded me of an experience I had with a middle school years ago. I got uh, an email. The principal was gathering some different speakers, leaders, you know, kind of nonprofit, profit people within the city to do almost like a little career day. So I came and the idea was like, hey, come tell us what you do as a pastor of a church. It's like, okay, I could do that. I didn't really know the, the fullness of what the day would look like. But when I get to the school, I go into the cafeteria, it's every eighth grader in the school is in the cafeteria. And on stage is this huge group of men and women, different people within our city. I get up and I'm introduced and my introduction comes three introductions after the mayor. I'm like, oh boy, what am I doing here? So the role is this, we're going to go and we're going to speed date these little middle school groups. There's little pods, little circles of seven or eight middle schoolers and there are dozens all over the cafeteria and we're gonna have five minutes at each circle to tell them a little bit about what we do. So I've been thinking about this for a while, going like, what do I tell them about why or what I do as a pastor? And I thought more important than telling them what I do, I should probably tell them why I do it. And I started thinking about how the first time I ever heard the gospel clearly was when I was in eighth grade. I thought, okay, Lord, I think I'm, I'm getting the, the hint here. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to like take the five moments and share my testimony and talk about how just like them, I heard about Jesus and how that changed my life. And so they said, every five minutes, the bell's gonna ring and then you move and you go to a next group. And so I sit down in this group and the bell rings and immediately, right, there's noise and activity and everybody's ADD is kind of like, you know, at the highest level. And I can tell they're looking at me and as soon as I introduce myself, they're like, oh. <laughs> like there's like a computer game developer right over there and they're kind of listening to the jet fighter pilot, you know, next to me. And you know, this guy's gonna tell me about, you know, when he was 13 years old and how he, accepted Christ. And I start getting through it, right? The administrators are kind of walking around. I'm like, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be talking about this right now, but I'm sharing about Jesus about halfway through the first testimony. The bell rings. I'm like, oh, well, that didn't go well. And I, I sit down with the next group and I kind of have the same kind of rejection experience to begin with. And I start moving through that again. And, you know, five minutes and five minutes, five minutes. And by the time it was over, I was exhausted. I'm like, Lord, that was terrible. Why did I even do that? Why did I... Why did I sign up for that? And I realized this, I was like, oh, Lord, here's why. Here's why I tell you I did it. Because I, I wanted to be obedient. I was more, the, the weightiness and the desire to be obedient to what God had laid on my heart to do was more important than the rejection and resistance from eighth graders. And that's pretty big. Nobody likes to go back to middle school. But I knew that what was most important was the gospel. And so I was going to get through that moment and let the Lord do with it whatever he wanted. Your life sent is a life liberated. Last one, your life has incredible value to God. Your life has incredible value to God. Look at what Jesus says here. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Jesus is saying a sparrow doesn't fall apart from the father or, or without your father. 
So a sparrow doesn't fall without your father. That's another way of saying like, there's not a sparrow that falls from the sky to the ground that isn't accompanied by God. Everyone accompanied by God. What about you? Even the hairs on your head are numbered. God knows you. Every detail of your life, every difficulty that you're walking through, he sees it. There is not one moment his gaze and love is not upon his people. Not one moment. So no matter what the difficulties are, right, you're never outside of it, outside of that love. And it doesn't mean that our lives won't experience some kind of difficulty or suffering. But that's not the miracle. The miracle is not that you get through a difficult circumstance. The miracle is this, that you go through a difficult circumstance accompanied by God. That he's with you. That you, you hold some place in his heart and Jesus is saying like, man, not one bird falls from the, from the sky to the ground without God's care and involvement. How much more valuable are you? So go, don't fear. So what we know, like let's speak it. What we've learned, what we've read in God's word, what God has whispered to you in your heart in times of prayer, go and, and proclaim it. Do you know, church, that we actually have these long-kept mysteries that have been hidden from the world for generations are now revealed that God has been doing something through Jesus Christ to save people, to reconcile the world, to make things new, to bring wholeness and shalom. Like, we have that message. Now we go, and now we go and share. If if we're going to acknowledge, right, if we're going to acknowledge Jesus out there, like, we got to do it here. We have to do it here. And so in just a minute, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and remind ourselves again of this incredible work of God through Jesus, through his sacrifice for us, for the forgiveness of sins, for a new relationship that we could have that would be whole. That's, that's, that's what we get to enjoy and we remember this too. We remember the worth of Jesus that because of him, it's all his. And I wonder if you could say that this morning as we take the Lord's Supper. I wonder if you could say, declaring Jesus, you are worth it. All of my time, all of my words, all of my possessions, all, all my vocation, all my influences, my future, Jesus, you're worth it. And in this beautiful economy of God, we find that everything we give to him is never lost. God just uses it and multiplies it and grows it and turns it into something in which it impacts life and grows the kingdom. What would it look like as we take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment for you to say, Jesus, you are worth it. Your sacrifice. Now I see it. The disciples saw it. They realized, they understood that their lives and their lifestyle were now connected to Jesus. Everything they did. And for them, the student to be like the teacher, the servants to be like the master was enough. It was enough for them. Let's pray. Jesus, as you are sending out the disciples here in this moment, they, they were authorized to minister on your behalf. 
God, this morning, I wonder if we would understand that same authorization is for us too. That it would be ours. That when we, when we leave here in just a moment, we aren't just leaving the campus, but we are being sent. And there will be opportunities along the way. There'll be difficulties and resistance, but there'll be blessing and privilege. Jesus, would you send us? Would your words begin to take on a greater depth and layers of you saying, look, behold, I am sending you. And that we would realize this missional calling, this commissioning was not just something that we do for you, but something that we do with you. And in doing that with you, life, joy, peace, it is the abundant life to walk within this world and to minister as you did Jesus and to move into the masses with compassion and to serve and to heal with you. If you're listening this morning and you're still just wondering about faith, did you hear what it would be like for God to use you, to speak to you, to know you, to be close to you. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing your heart and how much you love us, the links that you've gone to see us know you. And I pray as we approach this supper, this meal of reflection and worship, that you would just renew our commitment again to be your body and to be sent.